You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your headspace, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, AJ Andrews of JaysFromTheCouch.com, coming at you a little later tonight. I I did take a lot of the day for myself, and by myself, I mean I spent a lot of it cleaning. But, you know, such is life on the weekends, when your weekend is a weekday. But we do have things to talk about. I am going to continue discussing the Mookie Betts trade in an interesting article that Sportsnet's Shai Davidi put out yesterday in regards to the trade situation and and just the kind of comparisons that it drew. But I want to start with the Blue Jays press release from earlier today. They did do something. It wasn't sign another reliever or claim Harlan Garcia, as I have been asking them so nicely to do for the past couple days. But... Instead, they announced a staff change, and, and it's not really a staff change. I shouldn't really say that, but what they have decided to do is they've taken Director of Player Development Gil Kim and decided to make him a more hands-on member of the staff, meaning he will be in the dugout this upcoming season. He will be wearing a uniform, and you'll be able to see him in the in amongst the team, working with them directly. So, first of all, I can hear some of you asking, who the heck is Gil Kim? And if you're asking that, you're not alone. Because when I was doing my research for this episode and typed into Google Gil Kim, Google thought I meant former Canadian wrestler Gail Kim, who was with Impact Wrestling for like seven years um, and is now retired. But... Yeah, sadly, Gail Kim, not a topic of discussion today. So, as I said in doing my research, Gail Kim has a very interesting background as a Pennsylvania native who essentially bounced around the world just trying to play baseball. Um, he spent time with Barcelona's baseball team, which I didn't even know Barcelona had a baseball team. Like, I knew they had a basketball team along with the soccer slash football team but baseball was new to me but he went there um he spent time in venezuela um working with younger kids there as like an older teammate um he was eventually hired on by the pirates uh worked through their organization was actually hired by the blue jays in 2016 away from the rangers which another nice thing to stick in in rangers fans faces is that yeah we took another guy away from you um, but what Kim has done in his time as Toronto is essentially spearhead um, how Toronto is handling its younger players and, and trying to develop their skills. And I'm guessing that this move by the Blue Jays just allows him to do that, again, in a more hands-on way, as opposed to just kind of working with them off to the side. If Kim can start offering, you know, in-game tips, in-game coaching, that can only be a benefit for what the Blue Jays are trying to do with this young core. 
and Kim has a lot of experience with Ayan Gore. His main role with the Blue Jays was to oversee the minor leagues. So he's very familiar with guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Rowdy Telez, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., all those guys. He's been overseeing their development for the past four seasons. Well, three seasons, three full seasons, hired in 2016. But he has a lot of experience and has been watching them essentially the entire time since they entered the organization. And for a team that went through a very difficult season in 2019 with a lot of losing, Kim is someone who has preached a lot of like mental fortitude and mental toughness and playing the game the right way. Very much uh, someone who shares Mark Shapiro's beliefs of like, you know, don't be a dickhead, that sort of thing. So... Kim has been instrumental in implementing a lot of that in the Blue Jays organization. He had a hand in uh, sending some of the younger Blue Jays prospects off to Army Ranger training, which, thank God he didn't send Blue Jays journalists to that, because I don't think any of us would have survived. <laughs> just, just, no, no. I was, I was walking uphill today and I got winded. So, please, please, none of that for journalists ever. Please. And one other thing he's going to be able to do, which will be important for these younger guys, is determine who actually isn't adjusting properly to the major league level and who could benefit from a little more time in New Hampshire. Now, the Blue Jays have been very good at kind of determining when a guy needs a reset. Um, you look at Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Teoscar Hernandez, and, and even before that, guys like Devin Travis who benefited from going back down to Buffalo, having a bit of a reset, just just rediscovering their swing or or that mentality that allowed them to have success at the major league level and then brought them back up. Having Kim in the dugout on the ground floor like that makes that a lot easier as opposed to just having him, you know, watching from afar with binoculars. And for a team that's really starting to make that move, to be competitive. Having that kind of guy who kind of oversees, it does feel a little big brotherish, Like, you know, Shapiro's putting someone with, with his kind of eyes in the dugout. But you can argue that developing that mentality has been good for the Blue Jays so far. I mean, there have been championships at the single A and double A level. Buffalo hasn't had the same amount of success, but... You know, you have to think with the pitching rotation that's being sent there this season, that success won't be far off for the Bisons. So it's just a matter of continuing to translate that success up the ladder. And, you know, a guy like Kim, you know, it can only help to have him in there. I don't think it's a too many cooks thing, especially since Kim does have experience working with staff members as well and being able to you know, coach them as well as players. And and for a team that has a younger staff, I mean, Guillermo Martinez is barely 30, I think. He's their hitting coach. And Montoya entering his second season as a manager. You can argue that Dave Hudgens is the one with the most experience. Um, So having him there is just an added benefit for those guys as well. It's another set of eyes. It's another brain to pick when it comes to trying to make sure this team is operating on all cylinders and is able to perform the way 
everyone else thinks they can perform, which at this moment should be a minimum of third place in the American League East, as we talked about on yesterday's show. We're going to talk more about, you know, the circumstances that led to that third third place proclamation, as well as some comparisons drawn by other Blue Jays journalists. We're going to talk about that right after this message. You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we are back. So, as I said at the start of the show, I wanted to talk about the article that Shai Davidi put out on Sportsnet.com, drawing the comparison uh, between the Mookie Betts situation that just unfolded in Boston where he was traded to the Dodgers, although apparently that's not final because they're still working on, like, physicals and stuff like that. So, you know, fingers crossed it still works out because... I would like Mookie Betts to not be facing Toronto this season, please. But he drew the comparison to the Blue Jays when they were faced with uh, the dilemma of do they compete for the playoffs this season or do they trade off a guy who was entering his the final year of his contract and was set to walk, and that was Josh Donaldson. And... Uh, Davidi admits it isn't a perfect comparison, but you can kind of see the parallels. Um, The Red Sox were arguably a better team than that Blue Jays team. I mean, the Blue Jays were hoping that, you know, guys like Jose Bautista and Jay Happ and Marco Estrada could continue to play above their age, really. And, And that was the key hope for that team. And it was a very aged team as well. When you compare that to the Red Sox, you still have guys like Andrew Benintendi and and Rafael Devers and Eduardo Rodriguez, these younger guys who can still kind of contribute. But, you know, again, the Red Sox felt they didn't really have the pitching to get up there. So what they did was the exact opposite of what the Blue Jays did. They they made those tra- that trade to get younger. They got they got twenty four year old Alex Verdugo. They got twenty one year old Bruce Dark Rapperall, and and shipped out a couple guys that they felt did not have the value to them anymore. And when you compare that to the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays obviously started doing that in the middle of that twenty eighteen season when they you know traded away Jay Happ, traded away Steve Pierce, traded away basically anyone they could get value for and even some guys who they couldn't really get the value for still waiting on you julian merriweather don't don't make this a complete bust of a trade but that was the decision the blue jays made and and they made that decision because they had an older roster they didn't have these younger guys like devers and and ben and and vlad jr and and all those guys were still you know two years away so it was an easier decision to try and compete with that older roster since that's really all they had going for them. I mean, again, you look back at the trade offers that the Blue Jays were given for Josh Donaldson, and it does hurt um, knowing that Jack Flaherty was potentially on the table from St. Louis and, and that 
the Blue Jays might not have had to to pay out the money they did in the offseason to guys like um, Clay Buckles and Clayton Richard and, you know, again, just the whole Edwin Jackson experience. And I will keep bringing up Edwin Jackson because that was a miserable time to be a Blue Jays watcher. Just, just seeing Edwin Jackson out there trying in vain to throw a ball that wasn't going to get knocked over the wall. Could have spared a lot of that, having Jack Flaherty instead. But, again, that's that's just different versions of risk assessment for the Blue Jays making the playoffs and being that profitable team was more important and, and more necessary for financial uh, gains to be made as opposed to the Red Sox, who they know they're going to sell out Fenway anyway. They know they're going to get those fans through the turnstiles because Fenway is life in Boston. So... And and Boston's put up with bad teams before. I mean, they put up with them for like ninety years. They they can put up with them for for a couple more in order to potentially get back to the World Series, as opposed to you know, crossing your fingers that David Price still has what it takes to perform in the postseason. So when you look at it from that perspective, it it does make sense what the Blue Jays did compared to what the Red Sox did just just based on again the the financial constraints and the roster makeup at that time now will the Blue Jays be facing a similar decision down the line as you know Bichette and Guerrero and Jansen and Pearson and Guriel and all these guys start playing for their contracts and start demanding more and more money yeah they're gonna have to make some decisions and hopefully the performances will shake out that it is a very tough decision for the Blue Jays to make to who they resign. I would love nothing more for Mark Shapiro and, and Ross Atkins to be beating their heads on the wall, demanding more money from Rogers because they have to give it to these players. That would bring me great joy. But that is a problem for, you know, 2023 Blue Jays fans, 2024 Blue Jays fans. That's when that's going to start, you know, kicking in a little bit. And by then... Given what the organization has been able to do with that talent pool, they're not going to be in a similar position where trading Carlos Delgado leaves leaves the cupboard bare. Trading Roy Halladay leaves leaves nothing to come up and replace him. So that that is my hope that that being put in those positions that the Blue Jays were put in in previous years don't have to be the case because there will be enough talent cycling through that it will be less of an imposition to trade a guy who maybe is performing above his weight class. That's that's my hope, I guess, for this. So that brings us to the end of this episode of the podcast. Um, I am going to try and bring Fan Friday back tomorrow. I, I do have some stuff I got to do um, in the morning, but... I'm I'm sure enough of you are excited and happy to have Blue Jays baseball back on the horizon. You know, football's done. That means it's baseball time, right? So we'll see. We'll see what um, what happens tomorrow. And, you know, if you want to get involved in that, feel free to follow me on Twitter at A underscore J underscore Andrews. The underscores are there because Twitter is dumb. Subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, 
Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, however you get this audio goodness, make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss an episode. And follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You have many options to stay in touch with this podcast, and I hope you use them. Because, you know, I have a feeling this season's going to be a lot more fun than last season. So hopefully I get to talk to, to some of you again tomorrow. And we'll just see what happens. So for everyone at the Locked On Podcast Network and everyone at jaysfromthecouch.com, I'm AJ Andrews. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. And y'all take care.